Good morning, fellow slaves. Uh, is anyone just a teeny weeny bit offended by that, getting called a slave? Um, well, if you're offended, tough. Uh, you'd better just get used to that um, because just, that's just the way things are. Slavery is alive and well in the world today. Every single human being in the world today is a slave. Uh, we're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. Uh, we are slaves to whomever we obey. But the good bit is we get to choose the allegiance. Uh, we get to choose to either obey sin, which leads to death, or we get to choose to obey obedience, which leads to righteousness. And this choice becomes ever so much more important as soon as you become a Christian. Before you became a Christian, it didn't matter so much how you lived. You you were a child of darkness and you could fit right on in with the world very well, doing whatever you liked. Uh, But things are very different now. We belong to God now. And he expects something very different of us. As Christians, we're called to live to a higher ethic. Our standards are very different to the standards of the world because we're called to live as people of a different kingdom. We're called to live as people of God's kingdom, which is a kingdom of righteousness. Today, we're going to be talking about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what it means for Jesus to be Lord, or more, for particu- more particularly, what it means for Jesus to be our Lord. Uh, the, the first century Roman church, well, they wouldn't have found too much trouble in understanding what it meant for Jesus to be Lord, because they were living in a society where slavery was very common. There were slaves and there were masters of the slaves, even within the church itself, I would assume. A good slave would cost a lot of money. But once a slave master owned that slave, that slave was there to do the master's bidding. The role of the slave was to be obedient to the master. Uh, the slave master was Lord. Right? That's what it meant for the Lord. Um, and the slave would obey their Lord unquestioningly. And they understood that. Uh, when we were growing up as kids, uh, we had a bit of a saying. Whenever one of our peers would, would just tell us to do something and expect that we were going to do it, um, you know, so they basically just ordering us around, we'd say, so what did your last slave die of? You know, anybody remember that saying? It used to be quite common. Well, it wasn't too long until somebody came up with the witty reply, disobedience. Um, We were obedient slaves, sorry, we are obedient slaves to the one we obey. We used to be slaves to sin. Now that means sin was our Lord. Sin was our master. Sin was the one who ruled over us. But at our Christian conversion is when we made a decision to change allegiance. No longer were we going to be a slave to sin. Because we had decided to change our allegiance to Jesus Christ and he was going to become our Lord from that point on. Verse 17 says, "Be sorry, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves have become obedient. All right. This is something that has already happened. 
We've become obedient. That doesn't mean that we're hoping that, oh, maybe one day I might be obedient. It doesn't mean that, oh, maybe one day God might change me enough and I'll become obedient. No, this is something that has actually happened. At that point, we have become obedient from the heart. Now, that means it's not just a mind decision. This is a heart decision. It comes from the very depth of our being where we just we just know that Jesus is Lord. I know from the very depth of my heart that Jesus is Lord. I know that God loves me and I surrender to him from my heart because he is Lord. Okay, so we've become obedient from the heart. But what are we obedient to? We are obedient to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means we don't get to to decide for ourselves what we believe or how we should behave as disciples of Jesus. It means at the very point of conversion itself, when we chose to become a Christian, well, that involved a very real and very thorough commitment to obedience to Jesus Christ and to his teachings. We're talking here, something that is at the very heart of the gospel. What is the gospel? As an evangelist, if an evangelist is someone who preaches the gospel, what should an evangelist be preaching? Well... Jesus never told us to go out into the world and make converts. He told us to go out into the world to preach the good news and to make disciples. And the question before us today is, am I a convert or am I a disciple? Unfortunately, a lot of the time when the gospel gets preached today, they don't let the hearers know what they're in for and what they're actually signing up for. The preacher stops short of giving the whole gospel. The message might come across as something like this. Come to Jesus and he'll heal your marriage. Or come to Jesus and he'll forgive your sins and he'll give you eternal life and you don't have to change anything. It's all what Jesus has done and you do nothing. Or the message might be come to Jesus and be empowered. Or come to Jesus and take control of your life. Or come to Jesus and he'll bless you with an abundance. And they haven't been told anything at all about counting the cost of discipleship. Or or, or about the basic necessity of making Jesus Christ Lord. Jesus said to his would-be followers, don't start following me without counting the cost. If you want to read more about that, you go to Luke chapter 14. And, and see what some of the examples of cost are that he told his disciples to consider. To become a Christian means to commit to Jesus Christ as Lord. That, that means that we commit to him and we're committing to the life of a disciple. Now, that involves learning from the scriptures Uh, receiving biblical Christ-centered teaching and walking in the ways of Christ. There there is a whole epidemic of so-called Christians who have gone down the easy believism path that their whole theology is based around, I believe Jesus died for me, he's forgiven me, therefore I'm saved, 
and that's the end of the matter. I, nothing else has to happen. That's where it ends for them. There are so many people who claim to be Christians and they believe that they're saved, but the way they live their lives is no different to how the world do because they haven't submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. What led them to that path? I'll tell you. They were never taught what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Some of the most popular preachers today claim that over time a new convert will gradually acknowledge the lordship of Jesus and will gradually introduce Jesus as Lord to different compartments of their lives. So they sort of think, well, my life can have this compartment. I'll keep this personal and I'll keep this compartment of my life for business and I'll keep this compartment of my life for for sports and leisure. And, And they gradually over time think, I'll introduce Jesus to different compartments of my life. That's not conversion. Conversion is a sudden and complete change of allegiance. Remember last week we we talked about baptism. We died. That part of us, which was once ruling over us called sin, is dead. We've risen now to a new life in Jesus. There's nothing about compartmentalization in here. We died to sin and now we live in Christ. We once used to obey sin. We were ruled over by sin, but at conversion, we bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour and we submit to his will. We commit ourselves to be taught, to receive teaching. Now, the Greek word there actually means to hand ourselves over to be taught. We don't get to decide for ourselves what we believe. We don't get to choose what's right and what's wrong. We don't get to choose whether we're going to be obedient to God or not and in what ways. We hand ourselves over completely to his teaching and we obey. There once was a time when it didn't matter how how we lived. Verse 9 tells us that we were slaves to impurity and lawlessness and that just led to more lawlessness. And it didn't matter so much how we lived, but what was the fruit of that? Anyone remember? Death. Death. And verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. If you think about how you were before you were saved, you don't want to go back to that, do you? Aren't we ashamed of what we were before we were saved? Aren't we now ashamed of what we were, of of how selfish we were, or of how violent or how immoral, or untruthful, or impure, or how ungodly we once were? Are you ashamed of what you once were? Well, if you're ashamed of what you used to be, that's a pretty good sign. Um, That's a sign that your heart is being sanctified. 
Because the way we once were, it probably didn't used to worry us so much. Some of us may have even saw it as, as a badge of pride. But to be, to be ashamed of what we once were is a sign that our heart is being sanctified. Now, that's a big theological word, sanctified or sanctification. Um, and I'm using it because it's right here in today's reading um, and it's important that we understand it. When we become slaves of God, we begin to produce a very different fruit to what we used to produce. Remember what the fruit used to lead to was death. What was the fruit though? Unrighteousness. But as slaves of God, we produce a different fruit. And there's a process here. Some people would like to think, I'm saved, that gives me eternal life. But that misses the whole fantastic, wonderful journey of this thing called sanctification. God is glorified in this world as he changes us from creatures of which even we are ashamed into children of God. As he changes us from what we once were into a people after his own heart, that gives him glory. What could possibly give God more glory than a changed life? And the flip side of that is what detracts from the glory of God more than when somebody claims to be a Christian and yet lives in darkness. As slaves of God, following in his paths of righteousness, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. And we can't skip that middle bit called sanctification. In fact, Why would we want to? Sanctification is the Lord changing our hearts to become more like him. And and as a Christian, we've made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. And the paths that our Lord will lead us down as we continue this journey of discipleship, well, as we continue down those paths, I can tell you there's one thing that's guaranteed. He will continue to be doing his sanctifying work in our heart, every step of the way. And that sanctifying work will continue while ever we are obedient to, the, to our Lord. How do you know that you're on the road to eternal life? How do you know? It's easy. The road to eternal life is marked by sanctification at every step along the way. You know that you're on the highway still because you've still got the guideposts going along, hey? You know you're on the road to eternal life when sanctification is still happening along the way. Now, I'm sure you've noticed there's been times in your life... uh, 
where you look back and consider your relationship with God, whether it's been going all right or whether it's not going so good. And, and the really good ones, we call them mountaintop experiences, don't we? When, you know, we've had a really amazing encounter with God. You know, maybe you've gone to a Christian camp or something and, and you've had a really good speaker and, 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 and wonderful time of Christian fellowship and you've been really pumped up and, and then you come back home again and, and then, Things are okay for maybe a couple of weeks and then gradually you sort of come down off the mountain and, and then it's sort of like you're in a valley and then you start thinking, oh, why, why don't I have this go about me anymore? I, I, and you find that you're stuck in the same old rut, you, you get tied up in the same old sins and, and maybe you feel that your relationship with God is getting worse and, and, and the fruit of righteousness, well that seems to be getting more and more scarce, you kick the cat more and you rouse the family more and, and, and the fruit of unrighteousness is growing big and plump and deadly. Do you want to sign? No, that's a sign of. It's a pretty sure sign that we're not following Jesus as Lord. If Jesus is Lord, we've made a commitment to him. We've made, firstly, a commitment to learning, um, to being taught. You cannot grow in Christ if you are not receiving teaching. You know, a lot of people say to me, I don't, I don't have to be a, go to church to be a Christian. Um, and what they do is they cut themselves off from all Christians. They're probably not reading their Bibles or anything. And oh, I'm a Christian in my heart. Yep. But you know what? You cannot, and I'll be confident in saying this, you cannot grow in Christ if you're not receiving teaching. Now you can receive that teaching from all sorts of place, places. But let me say, it's really important that you get good teaching, accurate teaching, biblical teaching. There is a lot of bad teaching available out there. And it's often very popular because it appeals to the flesh. How are you going to be able to tell what's good teaching and what's bad teaching? Well, for a start, that means you need to be reading your Bible yourself. Um, And I hope you are doing that. I hope and I pray that you are all regularly reading your Bibles and that you don't just take what teachers, what biblical teachers have to say as, as gospel. I hope you're not doing that today. I hope that when you go home, you might look up Romans chapter 6 again and have a bit of a read and say, well, what is God really saying in that? Because I'm just not too sure about what that fellow said today. Don't take my word for it. I'm not infallible. But God is. So we've made a commitment to learning. We've made a commitment to being taught. And I'm going to tell you, you will not grow in Christ unless you are receiving teaching. Secondly, we've made a commitment to obedience. Being taught isn't just a matter of knowing stuff in your head. You know, if you're really clever, you could probably... Learn to recite most of the Bible from start to finish. But it's not just a matter of knowing stuff in your head. It's not going to do much good in your head. Biblical knowledge doesn't do much good in your head until it makes its way to your heart. We become obedient to God 
from the heart. That's what it's about. It's about a change of heart. It's not about a list of rules on the toilet wall that I have to keep. It's about obedience in the heart. You know what that means? It means that as you love Jesus more, you will want to obey him more. So I didn't only obey my parents because I was afraid of getting the strap. I obeyed them because I had a loving relationship with them. And the best way for me to show them my love was to obey them. And what do you think? That my parents would have thought if I'd done what those kids did to me today and said, oh, you're the most wonderful. And I said to my parents, oh, you're wonderful, wonderful, but then went away and left them and didn't talk to them for a whole week. And yet isn't that how so many of us treat God? So when we're committed to receiving teaching and to obedience to Christ and this commitment comes from the heart, that's what takes us down the path of sanctification. Don't expect your life to be becoming sanctified. Don't expect to become more Christ-like if you're not doing these things. We commit to receiving good teaching. We commit to obedience. And this is a commitment that comes from our heart. It begins with a relationship between God and us. And you'll find that the Lord is sanctifying you. That the Lord is changing your heart to become more like his. And in doing this, he's preparing us for eternity. You know, a lot of us, we want to skip this step called sanctification. But that's, it's a wonderful step, I've got to tell you. It is a wonderful step. The road to eternal life is marked by sanctification at every step along the way.